You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Miracles, where we take a behind-the-scenes look at the miracles of Jesus and how they can apply to our everyday life. I have something that I need to know. I need to know. I'm a little bit nervous. And I think that this is the, I think this, the, this is the group, I think this is the people that I think will be able to answer my question, be able to get my fears relieved, and be able to help me in my time of, of, of most need, of, of the greatest need. I, I think that this is just the group that can answer this question. And uh, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see about that. But I think this is the group that can most answer my question. I want to know. I need to know. I need to know. I've got to know this answer. What am I supposed to do in a zombie apocalypse? No, this is, this is, I mean, this is play. This is like play. Double tap. Double tap. Double, oh, okay. Not like, not like I come up and do this. Oh, I... Okay. Cardio? Okay, I got that. That's good. That's good. Any... Always check the back seat. For zombies making out or... Am I not supposed to say that? Oh, what? One in the back seat. There's always... Aim for the, aim for the head. Anybody else? This, like, if, if, if you're on this side, and I'd get nervous. These people know way too much. This side seems to be clueless, but this side seems to know way too much. <laughs> Anything else, Jared? Were you going to chime in there? All right. All right. You just want to make sure they're married, right? Anyway, that's going back several weeks there. Okay. Go, go to Sam's Club's what? Concrete walls and shotguns. Actually, that, that, that actually describes a whole lot of places here in Republic. But anyway. Did I, did I say that out loud? Okay. Um, see, I'm a bit nervous about the zombie apocalypse thing because it seems to come out of nowhere. First of all, it seems like all of a sudden, just every movie is about a zombie apocalypse. Second of all, that, it, that thousands upon tens of thousands of zombies just seem to come out of nowhere in these movies. Like, these people are completely surprised that 10,000 zombies start attacking them. Like, so therefore, if, if these people are completely surprised about zombie ap- apocalypse, that, 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 that because I'm not expecting it, I need to get ready. I need to get ready because... Because tens of thousands of the living dead, tens of thousands of living dead is a game changer, right? It's a game changer. Like, that completely changes your day. Like, I, you know, your day timer, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. It usually doesn't have filled in, fight the living dead on it. And so, you know, that's a game changer. That changes your complete day when zombies show up and surprise you. Tens of thousands of zombies shows up and, su- and surprises you. The living dead is a complete game changer. We are concluding a series this morning called Miracle. And, and, and what this series is, is taking a look at the miracles of Jesus, the six different miracles of Jesus that a guy by the name of John wrote about. This John guy. 
He followed Jesus around for two and a half to three years. And before John died, he wrote down seven different miracles. I think I just said six. Seven different miracles that Jesus performed in order to grow our belief in Jesus. This was his whole purpose, in order to grow our belief in Jesus. And no matter if you're sitting there going, yeah, that miracle word, I don't know about that. Good stories, myths with a point, but real live miracles? Ah, that's a stretch. I don't know. John wrote these down so that you can have your faith in Jesus grown. No matter where you're at. For most of you, for most of you here, because you live in Republic of Missouri and we're suburbia, Bible Belt America, you're saying, look, I've heard the same miracles since preschool, Sunday school. They all end the same way. They, they, they end the same way. I know the end of the story. Can you grow my belief in Jesus? Well, I can't necessarily. Jesus can. God can. But John wrote these down to grow your belief in Jesus, to grow your faith in Jesus as well. Because there's a miracle behind the miracle. There's a story behind the story. If Jesus just did these miracles just to be these miracles, all that is is a magic trick. But Jesus had a story behind the story. He had a miracle behind the miracle. And we've gone through this entire series and we've seen this equation come up through this entire season of, of, of belief plus desire equals action. The sum of our belief and desire is the action that we put into it. And this is true no matter what we have in life, no matter where we're at in life, with our work, with, if we're starting a business, if we're doing this or that or the other, our belief, our sum of our belief and our desire is the action that we will put into it. And this is true in our spiritual life as well. The sum of our belief and desire is the action that we'll put into it. And John's whole point, and where we want to be as a church, is to meet you where you are to grow that belief and that desire so that that action comes out in the direction that we want. But we have to go through seasons of growth, different seasons of growth. In this story that we're going to take a look at, is Jesus growing people through their seasons of growth. What are these seasons? How do we grow in these seasons of growth? What does God want to do? And what is the entire point of the whole growth thing? We're going to be in John chapter 11, starting at verse 1. You can open up a hardbound Bible. You can follow along, and I encourage you to follow along on a smartphone or tablet. Download the Bible app. Just search Bible or version. You can, you can download that app. We put an event in the Bible app, that in, the, in, the, in the menu area on the left side of the screen. You can, you can click event, and then uh, Crosspoint should be one of the first ones that come up so that you can follow along in the verses. You can also put write notes, or uh, you can take the cheat sheet around you and write notes. You can type notes into the, into the Bible app and email yourself or email those to Evernote or, 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 or different notes taking system you can also facebook or tweet some of the things that god is showing you and god is god is teaching you and you we encourage you to do that we'll also throw the uh, verses up on the screen so that you can follow along and, and and also if you if you don't have access to a bible if you don't have a bible at home and you don't have a smartphone that you can download a bible app or something uh see one of us at the cafe after the service and we'll give you a, a, a free bible free new testament but we're going to take a look at this story, John chapter 11. We're starting with verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. 
He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. This happens in John chapter 12, but, but John is setting the, setting the story. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Probably going to offend half of you here in saying this, but you know, leave it to a woman to do the passive-aggressive thing, right? I want to tell you something, but not tell you something. Your dear friend, Lazarus is sick. Hint, hint, hint. Fellas, you heard that this week with the trash, right? The trash is full. Uh, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. If you want to come and if you want to come and 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 heal him, that'll be just fine, Jesus. But I'm not going to tell you to do that. I'm just going to leave that up to you. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Jesus is a two or three day journey away from Bethany where, where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Lazarus lives. Uh, and, 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 and so you're like, Jesus said to whom? Probably his disciples. Jesus is just talking into the, into the air here. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God would receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Uh, the, the translation I use uh, in, in preaching is the New Living Translation. Other translations say that, uh, that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, so he stayed where he was. And some of you are like, I've got a problem with that. I've got a problem with that. Jesus loved them, so he stayed where he was, and he didn't do anything. I mean, he just said it's not going to end in death. He just said the glory of God's going to be seen, but he did nothing. Some of you are like, that's why I don't follow God. That's why I don't care about this God thing, because it seems like when I need him the most, he disappears the quickest. We all go through seasons of pain. We all go through seasons of pain. Seasons of pain fall underneath generally three categories. One, self-inflicted pain, sin. Things we do that bring pain to ourselves. Two, things other people do to us. The sin that other people have, that, that, that the wake of their sin wraps us up in it and the pain that is caused from their sin. Three, category of life happens. Or you've seen a different bumper sticker that says this in the same way, but a little more crassly. Still a four-letter word. doesn't start with L, though. Life happens. Sickness, just like Lazarus, life happens. Life happens. Pain is caused by three different areas. I'm not saying, and Jesus isn't saying, that God causes pain, but he is saying that he uses pain for his glory. And he takes us through these seasons of pain in order to grow our belief in him so we can do one of two things. We can lean in to Jesus or we can check out. What are the seasons of pain? Finally, verse 7, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. This doesn't mean he, they were trying to give him a bong. This means that they were trying to throw rocks at him. Okay? 
They're trying to stone you. Are you going to go there again? What are you doing? Do you have a death wish? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. We don't need to go. If he's sleeping, he'll be fine. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. But Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. Woohoo, yay, let's go. What's the season of faith? Confusion. The disciples were completely confused. Jesus, they want you dead or alive. What? What are you doing going back there? Jesus, is he asleep? Is he dead? Is he living? Is he dead? What, what are you talking about? Jesus, we know who you are. We know that you're God. We know that you're the son of man. But we have no idea what you mean. We don't have no idea how this thing is playing out. And, and do you want us dead or alive? Because if they kill you, Guess who's next? Confused. Confused. Some of you may say, I'm right there. I'm confused. What's going on in my life and what God is doing? And I say, it's okay. It's okay to be confused. It's okay to wonder what God is doing and have questions about God, what God is doing. Jesus isn't scared of being confused. It's what do we do with our confusion? Do we, do we take the belief and the desire of Jesus wherever we are and put that up into Jesus and take that up into Jesus? Or do we just check out? What do we do? Do we lean in? the confusion or we just check out I'll be a little honest with you 20s went to went to school went to went to undergrad and then uh, started in youth ministry and, and and went to seminary and 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 things were going pretty good 30s almost five years now or 30s God simply just stripped everything away all that I've had figured out, all that I, 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 I seminary training, all the, all the ministry training, I feel like it's it just completely gone. Not that it was a waste, just simply gone. If you come up and go, teach me how to do ministry like, like they taught you in seminary, I go, I, I, I can't do that. So, he stripped it all away. I'm confused. What does the future look like? Don't know. No idea. It's not whether I'm confused or not. It's, rather, it's about what I do with the confusion. Do I put it up into Jesus to hear and follow? Or do I check out? Because he said he is going to be our light. Not seminary, although we can learn from that. Not schooling, although we should 
be learning from that. Not what other churches are doing, although we should learn from them. Not, not what other people are doing and how other people are growing and how other people are gifted and all of this, although we should learn, be all constant learners. Jesus told us that He will be our light. Not anything else. Sometimes He simply just lights up the next step to take. Confusion, that's one season. What's another season? When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then, then that was with Martha, and then Mary got word that Jesus was there. Mary, Martha's sister... Uh, went to, the, to where Jesus was outside the city. When Martha arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary and Martha have extreme faith. And, and I don't mean like extreme faith as in like radical dude out there faith. I mean extreme as in high and then low and then high and then low. And some of you have been there. Some of you are there right now. It seems like one minute you're like, yay, Jesus. The next minute you're like, ugh. Jesus up and down and up and down. And Mary and Martha, they had faith in Jesus. They're like, yes, 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 you can. And if you would have been here, he would have been healed. But also the pain and the anguish of having their brother died. and it Died. Awesome. That was great. Having their brother die. And the low of that and going, ah, what's going on? And up and down and up and down and up and down. And Jesus isn't going, what's your problem, Mary and Martha? He just wants to simply grow them through this season. Of take their ups and their downs and grow their faith. This isn't the season I'm personally dealing with right, right now, right this moment. If I were honest, I'd probably say I would be a little bit on the low, kind of like, like a roller coaster. The first, the first on the roller coaster of going up, slowly but surely. But are you somebody that you're just experiencing the extremes of faith? Up and down and up and down and up and down. Jesus isn't bothered by that. We're not bothered by that. What do you do with that season? Do you put it up into Jesus and lead into Jesus? Or do you just check out? Take whatever belief and whatever desire for Jesus you have and put that up into him or just say, ah, I'm done. There's one more season. The crowds followed Mary out to where Jesus was, and they saw that Jesus was there. And it says that uh, Jesus was angry 
And, 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 and this wasn't angry like he was miffed. This was angry like he was ticked off. Angry. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word that starts literally in the bowels, like, Urgh. and it says, then Jesus wept. By the way, the shortest verse in all the Bible, so you, congratulations, you just memorized a verse of the Bible. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him, see how much Jesus loved Lazarus. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Some of the crowd were skeptics. Some of the crowd was like, wait, 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 hold on. Jesus loved Lazarus? Hold on a second. This man healed a guy, a total stranger who was blind. This guy, Lazarus, it was a friend of Jesus. He loved Jesus. If he really loved him, wouldn't he have come and healed him? Maybe you're sitting there, you're like, yeah, I've got a skeptical faith. And usually a skeptical faith starts with, if God really loved me, can I treat God like a boyfriend or girlfriend? If you really loved me. Maybe you're like, hey, you're a pastor. You never deal with this one. A couple years ago, it's like, what good is this God thing? What good is this prayer thing? Ministry? Whatever. I'm skeptical. There's still a little bit of like, what can God really do? What is He really going to do? Skepticism. Like, you can't be that way. Well, Jesus doesn't scold them. That's not why he's angry. He wants to meet us right where we are and grow our faith in him. Take whatever we have, a belief and a desire in him, put that up into him and see what he does with this so we can check out. Maybe you're like, I don't want a pastor who, who, who deals with this stuff. He's supposed to have it all figured out. Well, you can go find a pastor who's got it all figured out and he can blow air up your skirt and not tell you about life. Or you can figure out that we ain't got all the answers. We're human. We're people. But Jesus is telling us he does. So where are you going to put the belief and the desire that you do have? Whatever level that is. You gonna put it up into him? Or are you gonna check out? Here's one thing that I will promise. I'll struggle right along with you. I'm putting whatever belief and whatever desire that I do have up into Jesus. So that he can be our life. What's this all about? What's this all about? 
So in 1138, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. Have you ever thought, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about why Jesus was angry here? Why? Those of you that know this story, that heard this story, and read this story over and over and over, why was Jesus angry? I mean, are sheep-carrying, loving, hippie Jesus angry? He told Martha that he was the resurrection and the life. He was never supposed to be the resurrection. He's always the life. He was there with God when he created the world. and God created the world through Jesus. And he was the life. And he created the world. He created Adam and Eve perfect. He created them to have forever perfect relationship with him. Sin caused death. He was never supposed to be the resurrection. The Bible teaches this was the plan, for, that, that, that Jesus dying was the plan from before time began. That was the plan God knew, but he was never supposed to be the resurrection. He was supposed to just be the life. Why is he the resurrection? Because of sin. Because, because we jacked things up. We jacked ourselves up. And we jacked the world up through sin. He's not angry at a person. He's not angry at the disciples. He's not angry at Mary and Martha. He's not angry at the crowds. He's just, he's just like, this is never supposed to be death. People weren't supposed to die. He, I, think, I, think, I think he's remembering Adam and Eve in the garden and going, it's supposed to be that. And he's just angry that, that, it, that people are dying and pain is occurring and these seasons are happening because they were never supposed to be. He's just angry that, that that's happening and that it wasn't supposed to be. I wasn't supposed to be the resurrection. I'm just supposed to be the life. Parents, those of you that have kids that's kind of stray, I would venture to guess that your anger isn't with them. Your anger is just going, it's not supposed to be this way. It's just not supposed to be this way. You're jacking things up. It's not supposed to be this way. I believe that Jesus is thinking about the garden. The Garden of Eden, going, that's what the, death was never supposed to happen. But also, also, that, that he's going, oh, I wish they could see it, I wish they could see it, I wish they could see it. See what? Roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. He stinketh. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you'd see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. <laughs> That's a funny sentence, isn't it? The dead man came out. How did, what, huh? How did a dead man come out? 
His hands and feet bound in grace clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. Okay, we've heard this since preschool, Sunday school. We've heard this since VBS. Let's, let's take a step back here and go, okay, all right, Uncle, Uncle Walter. Uncle Walter's dead. He's been dead four days. We're at the funeral. Some dude walks into the funeral. Uncle Walter, live. He sits straight up in his coffin. What happens at that funeral? Right? That's what happens at that funeral. Freak out. And we're talking, not talking about a song here. Complete hysteria happens at a funeral that Uncle Walter sits straight up in the tomb at. Do you not think that the people are going crazy? Living dead is a game changer, isn't it? It changes everything. Here's what Jesus wants them to see. Lazarus wasn't dead. That's what he wants them to see. Lazarus wasn't dead. He wanted his disciples, he wanted Mary and Martha, he wanted the crowds to see that Lazarus wasn't dead. He wanted to see Lazarus, wanted them to see Lazarus the same way that he saw Lazarus as living because that's what Lazarus was. He was living. We've already read it. Did you catch it? Verse 25, Jesus told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? He's trying to tell Martha, Lazarus is living right now. Lazarus is living right now. You need to see this. It's not about a resurrection someday. It's not about, it's not about him being dead right now. He is living right now. Well, how can that be? Jesus rose Lazarus from the grave in order to point to something that was going to happen a few months from this story. That he was going to die and resurrect himself. And he did this, this resurrection of Lazarus in order, in order for people, when he resurrected, for people to go, Oh, I get it. I see it. The living dead. It's a game changer. Look, 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 look. If you read Acts, if you read the rest of the letters of, 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 of the New Testament, they would think it would be ludicrous ludicrous that we only talk about the resurrection one day a year. Because every sermon talked about the resurrection. He rose from the grave, people. That's a game changer. The living dead is a game changer. He rose 
from the grave. You can either... You can either live however you want to live or hear and follow the guy that rose himself from the grave. That's what they're saying. The living dead is a game changer that completely changes our life. And this is what, this is the miracle behind the miracle. This is what Jesus is getting at. That we realize sin causes us to die. That we're either the living dead or the dead living. One of the two. I don't, I don't know about that. You've either suppressed it or ignored it long enough and it's down, down, down deep in there. That death of our soul is that eh, going nothing's working. I'm dead on the inside. Everything may look great on the outside, but I'm dead on the inside. No matter how hard I try to liven that up, it might liven up for a little bit, but it, it just goes dead again. I just feel dead on the inside. Do you know that the only thing we can give Jesus, the only thing we can give God is our sin and our death? He's not impressed with our money. He owns it all. Not impressed with our house. Again, He owns it all. He's not impressed with our talents. He gave those to us. He's not impressed with our job or our title. Again, He gave those to us. He's not impressed with our service. He's not a God that, 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 that needs service. As for a different aspect, the only thing we can give God that He doesn't have is our sin and our death. And He died, uh, he died on the cross as a statement saying, I will take your sin. And He rose again as a statement saying, I will bring you back to life. That God, that Jesus, wants to make us the living dead. And that makes the church the zombie apocalypse. An army of the living dead going out into the world. to make more people the living dead. Because we're either the living dead or the dead living. It's one of the two. What does that look like? It's pretty simple, really. Just simply going, God, I'm dead. I know I'm dead. Everything I'm trying to do just produces more deadness. I believe that you take that away. I desire that you take that away. And I simply want to hear and follow you so that you will give me life. That's it. That's it. And the rest of your life, you're simply living in such a way that you're saying, 
My own way would cause death. I just want life. I just want life. I just want life. I just want your life. I want to be the living dead. I want to die to myself and let you live in me. That's the offer that God wants to live in us, through us. Dying to ourselves is saying, I'm done living. I want you to live my life. That's what becoming a Christian means. That's it. It's not following a bunch of rules or going to church. Or, it's just simply hearing and following Jesus. Getting so tired with our own life that we hear and follow Jesus. Why have, I, why have I stuck with Jesus through the, through the seasons? Simply because I know that He is God and that He wants to give me life. That's it. That's it. And now every one of us has posed the same question that Jesus gave to Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that I will resurrect you and that I will give you life, not anything else? Do you believe this? During this time of reflection, there will be a couple of us back in the back wanting to pray and talk with you about this question. Do you believe this? Do you want this? Do you desire this? To hear and follow. Not do you want to go to church. Not you've been in church all your life. Not do you want to follow the rules. Do you believe Jesus? And do you want to be counted among the living dead? Do you believe this? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your resurrection and life. Um, I don't know all of what that means. I don't think I've even scraped the surface of what that means. I feel like there's so much more life for me to find in you. Pray that everybody here, wherever they are, whatever belief they have, whatever desire they have, they, that, that I pray, Lord, that you so impress in our hearts that, that you are the man that, 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 that we just simply go, what? I just put that into you, whatever that means, I put it into you. I want to hear and follow a guy that resurrected from the grave and that he can resurrect other people from the grave. And I need to be resurrected from the grave. <coughs> that that becomes the cry of our heart and that you will simply answer that prayer. Lord, do the miracle behind the miracle of bringing life to people this morning.
without anybody looking around here, some of you that maybe would want to be bold enough to just simply raise your hand and say, I believe I need the resurrection and life in my life. I've never done that before. I've never asked Him to be my resurrection in my life. Will you pray for me? That's all that's going, this is going to be. You're just saying, can you pray for me? No one's going to judge you. No one's going to condemn you. I'll, I'll see it and I'll pray for you. Not out loud. When I go back there, I will, I will pray for you. Somebody say that. As the band plays, consider this question. Do you believe? No matter how long you've been in church, do you believe? Do you desire Jesus? Go ahead and stand. Pray. Deal with God. We'll be back here in the back of the room and worship Him. The one who rose from the grave. Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. We truly hope that this progresses your belief in Jesus. Connect with us on Facebook by searching My Crosspoint.